Hi everyone, welcome. This is the very first episode of Talks with Tali. I am Natalie Romero, your host. And on the very first episode, we're going to explore the relationship of feminism and gender studies in my own family. A little bit of background on my family. We are a first-generation Mexican-American family of seven. There are five kids and my two parents. I am the oldest and the youngest is about nine. And yeah, the way this is going to work is I'm going to interview three different family members about three different topics in feminism. I've arranged the topics to account for their age range. So we're going to start off with Alejandro. And then as we go on, the topics will get a little bit more complicated and a little bit more involved. That way we can generate a discussion that is appropriate for them. Co-host today here is my younger brother, Alejandro. Alejandro, would you like to introduce yourself? Hello, my name is Alejandro Romero, and I like to play video games. Okay, Alejandro, how old are you? I am nine years old. Okay, what pronouns do you use, Alejandro? He, him. Okay, so let's get started. Okay, Alejandro, the first question I'm going to ask you is, what is feminism to you? Feminism is a movement for females. Okay, and what do you think the goals of the movement are? The goals are to get more rights for women because men have more rights than women do. Okay, now I'm going to ask you, what type of women do you think are included in this movement? Um, women who want more rights for women because they think it's unfair that men get most rights. Okay. So some things that I learned in class is that there are many types of women that the feminism movement excludes. Do you have any clue as to what type of women these people might be? Uh, trans women. Mm-hmm. And, uh, probably women a part of the LGBTQ community. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. And women who think who for females should have more rights. Yes, that's very good. Those are a lot of the women that often get excluded. And another type of women that do get excluded from these movements are women of color. Mm -hmm. Do you know what women of color means, that saying? Uh, That means like Mexican, black, Mm -hmm. and yeah. Okay, good. Because these types of women often get excluded, there has kind of been a separation in the movement. So... You can think of it as a big tree, and they're all feminism feminisms, but because the main movement doesn't support everyone, it has forced different branches of feminism to be created. So one of these feminisms is black feminisms, which focuses on black women, and trans feminism that focuses on trans women. So which feminism do you think is the best? Which t- what type of feminism do you think would be the best? Um, it's between black and, or trans women. And why do you think those two groups of feminism would be the best? Uh, because black women, uh, people, um, they don't like them because of their skin color. Mm-hmm. And trans women... Uh, people use not their correct pronouns, mm-hmm. so their pronouns could be she, her, and uh, males can be like, oh my gosh, you're a man, mm-hmm. and the trans women don't like that. 
Yeah, I think I agree with you. I think that the forms of I, feminism that I agree with more are probably black feminism and trans feminism because they focus on the people who have been excluded for so long. And some of the things that I learned in class were that these groups, these branches of feminisms, they believe, well, not they believe, but, well, yeah, they believe that their type of feminism will free everyone. Because if you free the black person, the black woman, and if you free trans women, then all women will be free too. And that makes sense, right? Because black people have been excluded for so long. So imagine being black and then being a woman. Women have also been excluded from so many things. So these people have kind of a double oppression. Do you know what oppression means? No. Oh, you don't know what oppression means? No. So oppression means... Oh, how do I even explain oppression? Oppression means society... The way society is built doesn't allow them to... Vote. No, Yeah, vote is one of them. Doesn't allow them to progress in society. So there are many things keeping them down. That's oppression. So what do you think about that? Any thoughts? I think that is, it is not fair for women because uh, society says, uh, like a long time ago, women couldn't vote mm-hmm. because of society, but now women can vote. Yeah. Okay, let's move on to the next topic. So in my class, we read this article by Roxane Gay called The Bad Feminist. And she says that I'd rather be a bad feminist than not a feminist at all. So what do you think she means by bad feminist? That means, like, you don't go, like, when people of a part of, what was it called? Um, feminism? Feminism. Like, they start a protest and the people who are bad feminisms don't go to the protest and they just say oh i'm a part of feminism yeah that's actually what she you know she says that i may not go to all the protests i may not you know dedicate my whole life to this movement but doesn't mean i'm any less of a feminist and you know in well not you know but in the article she says that a good feminist would be the typical stereotype of a feminist so like a girl who hates all boys and is really mean and angry all the time. Have you ever heard of that stereotype before or is this the first time? First time. Okay. So do you consider yourself a feminist, Alejandro? Yes, because I want women to do what they whatever they want and not getting judged for it. Cool. Okay. So let's move on um, to another thing that I want to talk to you about. Do you know about Dolly Parton? Do you know who she is? No. Okay, so I'm going to show my younger brother some videos of Dolly Parton, and then we'll be right back. Alejandro and I just finished watching my favorite Dolly Parton song on YouTube. Uh, We watched a performance on Jolene. Alejandro, based on what she looks like, do you think she's a feminist? Yes, because I saw her wearing a suit, and you mostly see men in suits, not women. So that's why I think she's a feminist. Okay, what if I told you she's not a feminist? Why? Why? Well, she's not a feminist because she doesn't want to offend any of her fans. And she thinks the narrative of a bad feminist is true. Or no, not a bad one, a good one. So she thinks that all feminists hate men and that they want to get rid of men and that they're violent. So she believes into that stereotype and that's why she doesn't want to name herself as a feminist. Mm -hmm. So another thing about Dolly Parton 
is she refuses to speak up on things she believes in. Mm -hmm. So she doesn't speak about politics and, you know, that's just that. So what do you think about people who choose not to speak up for what they believe in? Um, uh, I don't, I, I know they, why they don't probably don't want to do that because uh, when they protest, the cops, they don't like what they're doing so they could arrest them. So that's probably why she doesn't support feminists yeah there's definitely repercussions for making it known what side you support so i could see where she comes from because her fans are you know a broad group of people she has fans from the south that may have specific political ideals and she also has younger fans who you know may have ideas that are more aligned with what you think so i understand why she may not do it but i personally don't agree with it all right alejandro thank you for being my first co-host mm-hmm you're very articulate for a nine-year-old. And we're now going to move on to somebody else. Thank you. Okay, bye. Bye. Moving on to the next sibling. Um, her name is Marianne. Marianne, would you like to introduce yourself? Um, I'm Marianne, and I like to play soccer and I and paint. Okay. So before you, I was talking to Alejandro, and I was kind of introducing to him about you know, what feminism is and stuff. It was kind of like the intro. And with you, I'm going to get a little bit more in-depth to some topics about feminism. I'm not going to tell you what they are yet, but the way I'm going to start this is in class, I watched a TED Talk with Kimberly Brenshaw. And in the TED Talk, she did an exercise. So I'm going to do that same exercise with you. So I'm going to modify this exercise a little bit, and I just want you to name any names of people that have been victim to police brutality and um, police violence? Well, first of all, we all know George Floyd and the big impact he's had on the Black Lives Matter movement. Um, there's obviously a lot more, but I just can't think of them right now at the top of my head. So I just want to point out that the first, of course, it's George Floyd because that was one of the most recent ones that got a lot of media attention and started all of the protests. But I just want to point out that the first one that you mentioned was a black male. Mm -hmm. And in Black Lives Matter movement, a lot of the victims that tend to get publicized are usually black men. And in the TED Talk, Kimberly Brenshaw has everybody stand up and she says, sit down if I say a name that you don't know about. So she says all of these, you know, she starts out with a bunch of boys, a bunch of males and not males, sorry, a bunch of boys and men who have either been killed or, you know, have been um, victims to police brutality and most of mostly everybody stays up and then she starts to say black women and black girls who have died because of at the hands of the police and then lots of people start sitting down so the whole point of her ted talk was there's an urgent need for a spotlight on black women and this is how i'm going to segue into the new this term coined by kimberly Brent called um intersectionality do you think do you want to guess what you think that might mean um well i am familiar with the word intersection which <laughs> yeah. is close enough to that word um uh-huh. it could maybe mean like a like maybe different things intersecting that create one thing or i don't know something like that yeah so the way i best understand is intersectionality is each person has different intersections of their identity so 
like some of my intersections might be that I am a girl. Mm-hmm. I am straight. I am also a Mexican-American immigrant. Well, not me personally, but my parents are immigrants. So my family comes from, you know, we're not, we're not Americans. Oh, I am American, but so those are some of the three main ones. Um, I am white for the most part because I look white. Mm-hmm. Our skin is, you know, especially yours is like white. <laughs> so all of these intersections come to give me, come together to give me a unique experience, right? Yeah. So in one of the readings, one of the major points about intersectionality was it's kind of problematic to have black women be the perfect model of intersections. Like when people think of intersectionality, like, oh yeah, black women, because one, well, let me ask you first, why do you think they may be the perfect model for intersectionality? Um, Because they are black and they are women and both of them, you know. have it bad yeah yeah so it's like black women have this double oppression that's why the main well not the main focus but they're like the perfect model of intersectionality and this is kind of problematic because it undermines their issues while also undermining people who may have other intersect who people who may have other intersections marianne do you have any intersections that you feel comfortable sharing um well to start off with i look i appear white but i am mexican my both my parents are mexican mm-hmm. um our I, parents our we pa- have the same parents oh uh, yeah that's just true. in case there was any confusion <laughs> um i am a girl and i play soccer and i think soccer comes in a big role because you know there's not a lot of female af- well there is a lot but you know it's a different experience yes okay do you have any stories about your intersections like maybe being a girl in sports i feel like there could be some things there well so i was trying out for a team mm-hmm. um the state team for my age group and i made the pool and there was like a there there was an arizona oh before you keep going say how old you are so they know oh like... i'm 12 years old <laughs> <laughs> okay go that way uh, they know like what how old you are in regards to sports because maybe they think you're like 20 or something. <laughs> okay. okay so um yeah, I'm 12, and my age group is OA, so, like, all the girls are 12. Um, so, there was... I made the pool, which was, like, about 40 players, maybe 40, 50. Um, and out of those 40, 50 players, they would choose 18 players to go to Arizona to be in a tournament. And when they chose... Um, when they chose the people, me and this other girl from my club team she's mexican as well her both were both her parents is are. this anita yes okay so just for actually no it probably doesn't matter keep going yeah so she's my teammate from the club team and she made the pool as well and we were talking and we didn't make the the cut for like the 18 mm-hmm. to go to arizona and we were talking like all these girls are white mm, okay. and all like we there was probably like one mexican i'm not sure and she might have been mexican but she looked mexican but all the girls were white, mm-hmm. um, and we noticed n- there was no Mexican players, and we- or just dark, yeah, dark color, th- yeah, yeah, people, dark, okay, because yeah. there was also no, you know, and we're like, that's really weird, like, or no, I don't even want to say dark people of color, yeah, <laughs> Sorry. people of color, yeah. So we just found it interesting that you know, like all white girls were chosen to go on this tournament and. Yeah, and 
my I'm not bringing them down. You know, they're great players, great technique. And but my friend, my Mexican friend, she has what it takes. I really think she's a good player. And it's just interesting that we got rejected um, because of our it probably not because of our color, you know, but it seemed to you that way. Yes. And well, yeah, that, it is kind of a coinkidink that the only people that didn't make it were all people of color. Sure. Right? Like, who else didn't make it? Um, what? Who else didn't make it? Oh, like, there was like other, got rejected. There was actually other people of color that did not make it as well. And you thought they were qualified in your... Yes. In your... Really good. Um, actually, actually, there was a few. They weren't all white girls, but mostly white girls, you know. And the other players that were of color, they are, like, extremely good. I would say they're almost better as me. Mm-hmm. But... <laughs> <laughs> okay. Actually... The rest of the people who did not get chosen for that tournament, we went on to another, like, a camp. Um, but I would say, like, they didn't want to make us feel bad. I thought that's how it was, you know? Because they said they don't want to include the people who went to the tournament because I guess they just didn't want to make us feel bad. Okay, I have a good question for you, Marianne, regarding your role as a woman of color playing sports. Um, get off your phone. I'm paying attention. I'm listening. No, I need your full undivided attention. I am. So when we were younger, we were playing for a Liga Latina team. Yes. And that felt very nice. Like, I remember when we were playing for that league, which it's like a league for Latinos. We felt it was like nice. Yeah. There were you could see so many people around you that look like you. And as you got better. Wait, what were you going to say? I don't want to cut you off. I was, I was going to say, like, it was like a big family. Yeah, like, it was like a big family. And- yeah. So, but as you started wanting to play more competitively, I saw and I noticed that as we moved up, you would see less and less of people that looked like us. Mm-hmm. So, how does that affect you as a soccer player? Like, have you noticed that as you go higher up, you know, for some reason the pigment gets lost? Do you think that's, like... Maybe it's because maybe some families just can't afford it, too. Yeah, that's a big, that's a big like, role that comes yeah, in. Yeah, because I know we couldn't afford it for mm-hmm. a little bit. And sometimes we need help from other people to pay for your soccer. Yeah. So, like, that's wrong. I feel like it shouldn't cost hella money to want to play a sports that you kick out the poor people, the people of color. Exactly. I can write a whole essay on that. That alone. Mm-hmm. So how would you say you navigate through this space of competitive soccer as a woman of color a poor well i don't want to say we're not affordable well honestly honest to god we're poor so let's just say well we're not poor but we can't let's search up the poverty line (laughs) let's actually no we're not we can we can we live in a house but we (laughs) just can't afford like hobbies like Wait a minute. Maybe we can't. Hold on. <laughs> let, me just, let me just search up the poverty line in California and I'll let you. Oh. Oh, yeah. We're definitely poor. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Yeah. So, <laughs> how would you. How do you navigate this space of competitive soccer as a poor woman of color in sports? Like, how do you deal with it? Well, it's definitely hard, you know. Knowing that my parents can't afford it, and it just, like, kind of breaks my heart sometimes. But I just try to go through it, you know, work hard and battle because I know I can prove all these coaches and people that doubted me and prove them wrong and, you know, succeed in life and help my family at the end of the day. 
and I I hope like other kids my age and older have the same mentality because you know they can get big in places with the talent that they have even if they have no, they don't even if they can't pay even if they if they, yeah. even if they can't pay the financial things or if they have other barriers yeah because that's what intersectionality is about every person has different you know identities that give them different barriers towards where mm-hmm. they want to be yeah so yeah and like also like a woman of color and just like a girl in general playing soccer like oh people boys are always like oh well you suck at soccer because you're a girl you know mm-hmm. so you but, just want to prove them wrong yeah and also like they don't even know what i go or like people when because pe- i've been bullied and when people they don't know what i go through you know mm-hmm. and so your your way of combating is just to prove them wrong yeah which is a good way it's a good approach yeah all right marianne thank you for sharing your story (laughs) 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 and now i'm gonna move on to my next co-host is there anything you would like to say for a goodbye um no okay just remember my name (laughs) (laughs) okay bye marianne Lastly, I have my third and final co-host, Nayeli, my younger sister. Nayeli, would you like to introduce yourself? Uh, hello, my name is Nayeli. I am 16. I'm a dancer. I like to skate. I read. And I obviously go to school. Okay. So with Alejandro, I kind of introduced him to feminism and why some people may not identify as a feminist and the different kinds of feminisms. And then with Marianne, we explored the topic of intersectionality. Do you, do you know what that means? I don't have much knowledge on it, but I know, like, the basic terminology. It basically means that how all of your different identities interlude into one point and how they interact with each other. Yeah, so me and Marianne were talking about that and, you know, how it might matter when talking about feminism because, you know, different women have different experiences of what it means to be a woman. So now with you, I want to talk about the differences between gender and sex because, you know... Obviously, the main thing about feminism is that it's equality for women. You know, what if our understanding of what it means to be a woman scientifically is changing? So what is, by your words, the definition, not the definition, the differences between gender and sex? Gender is um, a social construct. It's, I'd like to think of it more as gender expression and how mm. you express yourself. Okay. So in terms of like like masculine and feminine and sex, that's just like what you're born as. Okay, don't look at my notes. I have my computer right next to me. Yeah, that's good. So now I'm going to talk to you about an article called, let me see what it's called. It is called Sex Redefined, published by nature.com. And it's talking about how our understanding of sex is very different now. It's not just like, do you have an XX chromosome or XY chromosome? Different cells in your body have different sex. Did you know that? Please say you did it. No. Okay, yay. (laughs) You didn't know that. Sometimes Nayeli knows more than me. That's why I asked her. Say what you just said to me five seconds ago that I wasn't recording. Oh. Yeah, you. (laughs) Oh, I said... The only thing I know about, like, um, in terms of chromosomes is, like, how some people... I think it's called, like, intersex. Yes, like, that's what I'm going to okay, talk to yeah. you about. Okay. But, no, keep saying what you know about it. Oh, well, it's just, like, where they have, like, multiple sexes. Yeah. 
So this article is exploring that sex isn't as simple as we thought. It's not really based off of whether or not you're lacking a chromosome. And it's being thought of more as a spectrum, just like gender is. So there is many disorders of sexual development, aka DSDs for sure. And try to guess how many people have DSDs, Nayeli. In terms of percentage, I would say around 25 to 40%. Okay, so 1 in 100 people have some form of DSD, so 1% of the population, which is still a lot. So DSDs, let me pull up the definition. I'm trying to find it in this article. DSD is where your chromosomes say one thing, but your genitals say other. So intersex, you've heard of that. Mm-hmm. Is that a, that's a, that's a new, like, category right they're calling it so you're not female or male you're intersex you're in the middle Mm -hmm. and so many genes have been identified that are involved in dsds which have subtle subtle effects on anatomy and sex so let me read to you from the chart so boys have xy and the typical gonads so the part that makes like the fucking oh (laughs) the freaking um sperm or sperm or eggs are testes but some males have still have xy chromosomes but maybe they'll have different anatomical features of their penis which is like here it says a uthero opening on the underside of the penis kind of like a girl and affects one in 250 to 400 births so that's very common and then sometimes you can have xy chromosomes and your genitals are ambiguous so what the heck are you supposed to do there then and then this article is talking about how some babies get their genitals changed to match the one that they match the best mm-hmm. to like make them fit into a specific category. What do you think about that? I think if they're born, it's like changing, like say someone was born with a disability, it's like not accepting that when like if they're born like that, just leave them like that, yeah. create a new um a new freaking norm. Don't just Is that what you're going to do when you have kids? Let them be born as however they want, yeah. Yeah, well, what about circumcision? Are you going to circumcise your kids? Well, I don't even know what that (laughs) is. See, that's so weird because circumcision is like a normal thing. And I've never heard of like, well, maybe because I'm barely finding out about this in college, but I've never heard of babies coming out with like different ambiguous genitals and then having to get surgery for them. Well, obviously, probably people are not going to be very vocal about that. Like, oh, I Mm -hmm. had a weird anatomy down there when i was a baby and they changed that i mean maybe parents don't even tell their kids that they probably had no clue that they had this surgery and then they grow up oh shoot i don't know if it's recording oh okay like they grow up and they have these mixed feelings about their gender never knowing that they were actually born intersex right so i don't know let me read to you this chart about girls so oh yes so their genitals will be ambiguous and other characteristics may be that they have hormonal disorders, which results in male external genitals and testes, but also a womb and fallopian tubes. Can they still get pregnant? Good question. I don't know. Mm-mm. Okay, so some people, this is called ovotesticular DSDs. So they can either have XX chromosomes, XY, or a mix of both. And their gonads, they'll have ovaries and testicular testicular tissue and their genitals will be ambiguous and some another example of this is 
rare reports of predominantly XY people conceiving and bearing a healthy child. That answers our question. Mm -hmm. That's crazy. Okay, now I'm going to read you a little bit about the traditionally XX female chromosomes. Some people can be born with XX chromosomes but still have small testes and have male external genitals. Another variation is well, they'll have XX and they'll have traditional ovaries and they'll have traditional internal and external female genitals. But some of the variations may be is premature shutdown of ovaries. Some caused by variation in sex development genes. Another one is where they can have ovaries and female genitals, but they also may have, you know, excess male hormones. That's when you see, you know, females, not females, women with beards and stuff. Um, Excess male sex chromosomes or polycystic ovaries. And then another one will have traditional ovaries and, you know, traditional female external and internal genitals. But they'll have female secondary sexual characteristics. That's very vague, but I don't know what the heck that's supposed to mean. So it's not just chromosomes. The reading is also saying that there are many genes that have been identified that are involved in DSDs, which have subtle effects in your anatomy and sex. And not just genes, but it's also hormones. There's a lot of hormones and a lot of DSDs that involve an imbalance in your hormones communication between your gonads and other glands so biologically it's being proved that it's also a spectrum what do you do you agree with that is it like expected like what i don't know well with intersex like i feel like nothing is just like white and black yeah there's always going to be gray area Mm -hmm. so it's kind of expected but i guess it's been like glued into my brain that like oh sex is just these two but gender is just all of this Mm -hmm. so now that both of them are just everything it's kind of confusing yeah i thought it was interesting to read this because i've never like i've been a science major for the three years of my life (laughs) at davis and this is the first time i'm hearing about the possibility of sex also being a spectrum Mm -hmm. which is kind of cool i don't know why i've never been introduced to to this or why it hasn't been talked about like maybe with animals but i've never read an article directly involving people yeah. yeah and i knew about intersex people but like i didn't really pay much attention to it and i also want to talk about in the very very beginning of this course that i took this woman's studies course that i took um normal what's defined as normal is often a binary because it's easier to put to people in a box put people in a box say okay you're a female you're a guy Okay, you're disabled, you're not disabled. And the reason why, like, the concept of normal is so either you're left or right is because it depends on your ability to work. Mm -hmm. So it's all just connected. And I thought that was interesting. But in regards to this, I wanted to talk to you about this because with gender, I feel like you are the most supportive about Alejandro, you know, making decisions to do traditionally girly things or traditionally, like, girly things. And I wrote about this in my past essay. So do you have any comments? Well, I just think, like, not even just gender, but, like, sexuality and all that. I think it should be explored. Because when you're born, right when you're born, you're, like, you're heterosexual, you're a woman. That's Mm -hmm. what you are. And then I just feel like you get perceived your whole life to be that way. Mm -hmm. And it's just, like super weird because it'll make you think that you can only live one way and one way only when really like we're in a growing culture 
like, and even before, in, like, the 1800s, like, there were non-binary people in the 1800s. Like, mm-hmm. it didn't just appear 2020. Yeah. They've been around forever. But it's funny how it's, like, it seemed that way. Like, a lot of people think, like, media has been so focused on male and female or whatever that when you say, oh, yeah, people can be non-binary, people are like, what? Mm-hmm. You're making that out of your, you know, there's like, oh, so now you'd want to decide to be like. It's a trend. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, okay, keep saying what you're saying. But I just feel like more people are coming out and being expressive for about who they are is because we're becoming more welcoming about it, like Gen Z and all that. They're being more vocal, accepting, and that's what I want to do with Alejandro, obviously. So I just think everyone should explore that because you've been given this role. Maybe you don't even know the possibilities of that other role or what el- whatever else that you can explore. So mm-hmm. I just think it's a good option to do that. And that's why I let Alejandro do what he wants. And that concludes our third and final co-host, Nayeli. Thank you for your time. Is there anything you would like to say before I go? I'd just like to say thanks for having me and I hope I helped. Okay, bye. all right everyone thank you for listening to my first episode of talks with tali exploring the relationship of feminism within my own family i have six other people in my family therefore i could only interview three otherwise this podcast episode would be two hours long thank you for listening and i'll see you guys in the next one